Um, well, the word that uh, is grounding me in this season are most of the Psalms. Um, so as we head into uh, what God has placed on my heart to share with y'all, I'm gonna read Psalm 16 for us. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you lead your faithful one to see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with the joy in your presence, with your eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is the word of God. Well, as I make sure technology is doing what I want it to do, let's go ahead and take some deep breaths together to center our bodies and spirits in this moment. Amen. So I've been hanging out with this idea of the will of God for a while, ever since I read this tiny little book called The Will of God by Leslie Weatherhead. So it's this short book, less than 100 pages, and it's a collection of sermons that was written in 1944 at the end of World War II, after Weatherhead, the author's church, the City Temple of London, was bombed and destroyed in the war. Each sermon unpacks this loaded phrase of the will of God. And that's what we're going to do together today. So whatever phase we are currently in the pandemic and in our world, some of us are finding ourselves in a space where the initial mental and emotional fog of the trauma of all of this pandemic is starting to lift at least a little bit in certain places of our lives. We're able to start thinking about how we tell the story of what we have been through in the past two years. And this is important because the stories we tell become the stories we believe. Storytelling is how we process the things we've been through. It's how we process trauma because we can't actually process or understand trauma when we're living in it. So I wonder, where is God and where is God's will in the story of the pandemic? So there's this 
famous author and writer, Phyllis Tickle, and she named and noticed that every 500 years or so, the church goes through a big old rummage sale of its theology, the how and why of what we do. And I believe that we are at the beginning of that next phase of a rummage sale. And I believe that how we tell the story about the will of God will shift the future of the church. So I'm wondering, think about your own life, and it was likely at a time that something not so great happened. Maybe it was an illness or a death or an injury or a job loss, and someone looked at you with that lovely smile and said, well, it's the will of God. Or maybe it was another good one. Everything happens for a reason. And I wonder if you, like me, either physically or emotionally, wanted to punch that person in the face. Because it really wasn't actually helpful to hear in that moment of pain, of loss, of our confusion, to hear everything happens for a reason. Or one of my personal favorites, God needed another angel. <sighs> of course, we're trying to find ways to comfort our friends, to comfort one another, but often those phrases land pretty hollow. And we can use this idea of the will of God as a blanket statement that ends up being really dismissive of the realities of others, as well as abdicating our responsibility in the world. So the phrase, the will of God, is too big, and it needs to be unpacked so that we are better able to tell the story of our faith in ways that bring hope and healing. So Weatherhead's model says that we are actually talking about three different things when we say the will of God. So we have God's intentional will, God's circumstantial will, and God's ultimate will. So we're gonna start with the first one, with God's intentional will. That's God's plan A. That's, it's, it's creation. It's when God looked at everything and called it good. And in scripture, the word is tov, and that's more like, like Campbell's soup, mm-mm good tov, right? So Weatherhead writes that God's intentional will, God's plan A, is the ways in which God pours himself out in goodness, the ways that God pours himself out in goodness. What are the times in your life that you can remember plan A? Maybe it was a new relationship, a new hobby, a new job, those, those times where you're in that place of joy and hope and anticipation and intention, that beautiful space before anything interrupts what that can be. That's God's intentional will. God's plan A always exists. God always starts by setting an intention that pours out in goodness and love and justice. And while there are trending hashtags around the idea of setting your intentions for the day, there's some really funny TikToks about that, um, it's actually an ancient spiritual practice. If we begin our day with an intention, with a focus, a vision, a goal that is rooted in that tove, in that goodness, we will be able to find a sense of peace in our days. And this works in the long term. 
If we ask ourselves a year from now, how will we know we've had a good year? Or it can also work in the short term. If, if you have a difficult conversation that needs to be had, asking the question, what do I want to leave that conversation thinking, feeling, doing? That is setting an intention. And we need to move into a more regular practice of intention setting, just like God, because then there's that circumstantial will of God. So just like it sounds, God's circumstantial will is how God is present within the circumstances, how God's endless generative goodness and love is in fact always present, even in tough times. And this is the hard part. As Weatherhead names, in the space of God's circumstantial will, God might not always be winning in a particular moment or situation. So I wanna tell you a tool in my chaplain tool belt. That's one of my roles that I play in this city. Uh, so when I'm in the hospitals as a chaplain or really with anyone in times of crisis or uncertainty, I ask this question. What did you know to be true about God before this happened? Whatever the this is, a, a diagnosis, a death, a job loss, a test result, what did you know to be true about God before this happened? Usually, when asked this question, people have answers that are somewhere around God's intentional will, right? That God is good, that God is love, that God is compassionate, meaning to suffer with. And they may have different ways of expressing this knowing, but it's usually somewhere in that genre. So I follow up that question with, is it possible that that is still true? What if, even in this, whatever the this is, that what you knew to be true about God is still true? Because often when we are in crisis mode, when we are in traumatic circumstances, we are unable to think rationally. I believe uh, a couple months ago when I was with you all, we talked about the hand model of the brain and how when we are activated, we can only think with our little midbrain and it, that doesn't do rational thinking. So what's important is that in worship spaces like this, in communities like this, that we think and ponder on the will of God. When we do so in spaces and places that fill our cup, when we feel safe to wonder, which is exactly what godly play does, we will be able to be more equipped for the circumstances that will inevitably rise. Weatherhead writes, what I mean is that it is so important that we should try to think clearly before disaster falls upon us. If we do, then in spite of all of our grief, we have a philosophy of life that steadies us as an anchor steadies a ship. If we do not, the storm is so furious that little can be done until it is abated. When we are in distress, that is not the time to think about the nature of God. You'll come up with some really terrible conclusions. To reveal more about the circumstantial will of God, Weatherhead uses a few illustrations that are remarkably poignant and, untimely, and unfortunately still timely and true. So one of the areas that Weatherhead unsurprisingly explores when it comes to the will of God is war, right? He wrote this right after his church had been bombed. 
And so he wrote that war is never the intentional will of God. Nevertheless, God shows up in experiences of courage and compassion and bravery. So recognizing war as evil, Weatherhead says, evil is never creative of good. Though the circumstances of evil have often been an occasion for the expression of good, I repeat that evil does not make good qualities. It reveals them, gives them exercise, but there is always the possibility, and surely this is God's intention, that those same qualities may be revealed and exercised as a response to goodness. We start with a plan A, but we all know that there's a lot that gets mucked up along the way. And now this next quote will highlight why I have been obsessed with this book from the 1940s. This is a direct quote. When the community is set upon by an invasion of germs, that is not the will of God. When the community is set upon by an invasion of germs, that is not the will of God. A tad applicable, shall we say? So hear me when I say I do not believe that God caused COVID. That doesn't make sense to me or who I have come to know God to be. I do see in the circumstances the ways that God's goodness has been revealed in, dare I say the word, these unprecedented times. So as Weatherhead continues to pontificate on disease and the will of God, he writes, I am quite sure that the battle against disease is the will of God. And I thank God for all those people who are taking part in it. And I thank God for all those people who are taking part of it. That is the point of God's circumstantial will. We are called to be partners with God in the circumstances to reveal more goodness and love in the world. Because the reality is that God's will can be defeated by the will of man for the time being. All evil that is temporarily successful temporarily defeats God. Weatherhead talks about going to the slums of London and remarking how that expression of poverty isn't the will of God. And I would say go a few blocks in any direction from this very church and walk around and tell me that what you see is the will of God. People in deep poverty, people forced to make unimaginable choices for their children, for their safety. You cannot look at the horrors of this world of our very neighborhoods and tell me that that's the will of God. If we throw up our hands in the face of poverty and evil and say, well, it's the will of God, everything happens for a reason, and sit comfortably in our pews, evil wins. God is longing for us to participate in the circumstances, to engage in our own agency, in our own relationship with God, to reveal more light and good in the world. God's circumstantial will cannot be done without human cooperation. That's why we start with being rooted in the intentional will of God because when life mucks it up, as it will do, we rely on the systems we have in place to make meaning to inform our action. And so something I noticed at the beginning of the pandemic for so many, myself included, our theology wasn't deep enough. 
I'm not saying our faith wasn't, but our theology, our understanding about what is true was shallow. How many of us were able to move through life with very few barriers dramatically changed. And for so many, our relationship with God bottomed out. And in this shift, in realizing how our beliefs are serving us or no longer serving us, speaks to the cultural and religious paradigm I see us in right now. This is where we must be intentional and specific about the stories we tell about God. If all you hear as an explanation of your painful circumstances is, it's the will of God, shocker, you might not wanna listen or follow those people who say that to you. What we need to do in hard circumstances is to resist slapping a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. What we need to say, what most people actually want to hear is this, this particular circumstance sucks and it's not okay and you're not alone and I love you. We can be angry with God in the circumstances. Open the Psalms. We can be frustrated and disappointed in the systems that man has created to minimize and oppress others. It's okay to recognize that in the circumstantial will of God, there is tension. Tension is not inherently bad, it's generative. That's where growth happens. And often that tension is what will motivate us to be the co-creators of the good in the work. When we find ourselves in situations that don't match plan A, we're not called to shrug our shoulders. We're called to name our reality, to cry the pain and find ways that we are called to move. And this movement is exhausting. Weatherhead writes, these days are full of loss and pain, of suffering and sorrow, but they are not days of waste. These days are full of loss and pain and of suffering and sorrow, but they are not days of waste. This is where uh, the third and final unpacking idea of the will of God comes in, God's ultimate will. Weatherhead equates the ultimate will of God through the metaphor of a child trying to dam up a stream. No matter where the rocks and sticks are placed, eventually the water will find a way to keep flowing. That is God's ultimate will. No matter the circumstances, the muck that gets in the water, God's ever-flowing goodness and love will find a way. It may not be immediate. It may not always be easy or tidy, but it will find a way. And we must be careful with this notion of God's ultimate will because too easily we can gloss over those circumstances and say, it'll all work out in the end. God's got this. I don't need to gots this. Y'all, we gotta gots this. We must focus on the circumstances around us, and I mean the circumstances that we have power in. And some of us may feel weird about that idea of power. Power just means the ability to affect change, to achieve a purpose. We all have power. Whether it's the power of where we spend our money or of how we spend our time or of how we vote in local elections that are happening right now, we have the ability to affect the change in circumstances that we are currently in. And yeah, we are currently in a collective experience of trauma and grief. 
in response to the plague of war, to the plague of poverty, to the plague of mass shootings. And we're still in a collective experience of trauma in response to the plague of COVID-19. But this moment, this particular moment is creating an awakening both collectively and individually. Weatherhead writes, God is using the moment when men's hearts are awestruck at the horror of their own evil that has been brought upon them to rouse what they have always been God's will so that when awakened and responding, they may, through God's circumstantial will, reach his ultimate will, as certainly as it would have been done if the intentional will would have been done. When men's hearts are awestruck at the horror of their own evil, their own evil. I don't like to think of evil as something that I possess or that it's connected to me, but it is for all of us. Now, for some of us, we grew up in church environments that used the realities of evil as a form of control through sin and shame-based ideas and language and manipulation. And so because of this, many of us don't quite know what to do with this idea of sin. So we just kind of dismiss it altogether. But evil is real. It's a part of the nature of all of this. Now, I don't specifically prescribe to Dante Inferno's like vision of like the red devil and the pitchfork and the horns. Neither did Jesus. But there is stuff that is everywhere in the stream that is blocking the goodness of God, that is blocking this outpouring of love and compassion, this counterforce, this evil is what tells us that there isn't enough for everyone. It's what tells us that nothing will ever change. It's what tells us that we have no power. We have to be more comfortable with naming, condemning, and challenging that which is evil. So there is good news. I know it doesn't feel like it, but there is good news that the arc of the universe does bend towards justice, just as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King taught us. The bad news, that arc is really long and evil is really strong. So what do we do? What do we practically do? We must individually and collectively discern the will of God to tell a story that includes God's intentional will, God's circumstantial will, and ultimately God's ultimate will. To discern God's will, we must be in relationship with God. And I would assume that most of us in this room know what works when it comes to our relationship with God. Maybe it's a morning prayer routine. Maybe it's spending time with the Psalms, which are full of expressions of decrying the circumstances. Maybe it's a walk in the woods. Maybe it's breaking bread at a table with those you love. You already know what brings you closer to God. So do that. Do more of it. Put it on your calendar. Make it a recurring appointment. Show up to worship every week. Spend time in the presence of God. Build that relationship in the ways that you already know how. And if you don't know how, or if you're looking for some new and different ways to connect with God, I am sure your pastors and your leadership will be stoked to discern that with you. 
And as we build our own relationship with God, we have to ask ourselves these questions that Weatherhead closes his sermons with. Do I really want to discern the will of God or do I want to get his sanction for doing my own? Do I really want to discern the will of God or do I just want to get God's approval for doing my own? Have I got the courage to do God's will when I discern it? Have I got the courage to do God's will when I discern it? When we develop this personal relationship with God, we are more able easily to discern what is only ours to do, what, what is our particular part of the stream to clear away. From there, we then do that in community. We listen and learn from others the pieces of the story that they are carrying that theirs is to clear away. And we figure out together how to hold and carry and to bring more light and more goodness. Because from there, that is the story that we want others to believe. So that must be the story we tell. So may we believe that God's goodness was and continues to be plan A. And with our collaboration, we can aid in the ultimate will of God being known, made through, even in these circumstances. Amen.